What's that? I'm sitting. Do you want me to stand? Welcome back to HR Talk with Ricky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for yet another amazing yet fantastic episode of HR Talk. Ricky Baez, the co-captain of this ship, but the senior director in charge of all things Baez Cohen wants to welcome you to another fantastic voyage through the Amazon of his mind. I'll be your narrator, and I know it's kind of gross, right? I'll be your narrator and co-host for this endeavor. Now, please welcome Ricky Baez. The Amazon of my mind. I don't know what to say to that. It's just weird. Yep, it's just a huge moist rainforest. Just a whole lot going on. It's nothing but Mick Ultra up in the mind right there. Just a, just a huge moist Mick Ultra pad. That's what I'm stuck on moist rainforest. That's what the Amazon is. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I, I mean, know I'm not wrong. Rainforest by nature, the name is moist. I don't know if that has to be said again, but okay. I got, I got you. It's weird. Oh, you got the people laughing today. Look at you. They stop. Uh, right. Stop laughing. We pay them. It's Ricky okay. Baez, how are you? What's new? What's going on? Talk to me about your world. What's What's been going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good, brother. Just a lot of work. A lot of work. A lot of clients you that work. need HR support. Yes, I do. No, you, you don't. You got McDonald's. Cut that you out. Got you got McDonald's. No, I can't it's believe Tim, that. Tim Hortons. Oh, um, Tim Hortons. Okay. You don't work, though. You, I, I see the pictures on social media. All you do is, like, uh, disrupt HR events with Summer. Like, all I see is pictures of you and, and, and that blonde lady, Summer, together and, and doing HR events. That's not work. That's fun. It's fun work. I mean, I love it. I have fun with it. I get home and I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. But yeah, it's work still. All right. So talk I to mean, me about that event. What happened this past week? What was that? It was it was great. It was uh, it was Disrupt HR Orlando 11.0. Wait a minute. We wait were, a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh-huh, Just yeah. for, for the people listening, what is Disrupt HR? For every for anybody listening, Disrupt HR is a national uh, national and HR networking event where you know just people get together and they uh, they they network. They get up on stage and you watch presentations that are five minutes long, and each presenter has a uh, presentation of twenty slides, no more, no less. And as soon as the speaker starts speaking, then the timer starts, and their their presentations transitions automatically from one slide to the next every fifteen seconds. The speaker has no control over the their slide once they start talking so that's what we did here um uh, summer and i owned the license in orlando florida it started with leslie and i leslie miserat from miserat coaching um and she held the reins for that for a number of years and she passed on the torch to a summer she sold it off right she sold her percentage um yeah uh, if if that's what it's called these days yeah yeah she did uh or was it like a merger acquisition type thing did like no it was a handoff Oh, okay. I, just, yeah, I mean, Leslie's really busy, and she just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a lot. It, I don't know if, if people—if people know how how much it takes, how much no. time and effort it takes, dude. So, talk to us about that. What goes into it? Well, you know, it's uh, to have 
with this show, with this event, it's the main thing is to find a venue. So you have to find a venue. Then you have to find sponsors to make sure that you know they 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 get the exposure that they pay for. And then you got to get speakers. And then you got to get people involved. It really is a full time job. And then you couple that with with you being you having a family, you having a full time job, and some org some some chapters do it once a year. Other chapters do it every other year. We do it twice, maybe three times a year. One time we did, and it's just it's a lot of work that 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 goes into it. And the presentations are pretty intense. I mean, people getting up there talking about human resources. I mean, how much more exciting could it be? And then having to cram that down into a five minute uh, bundle, you know, it really makes well, you want to go to the end of the parking lot where the uh, you're off property at the end of well, things. you know. Well, here's the thing. If um, if you don't want to go, if you don't want people to go, that's exactly how you how you would explain it, right? Exactly how you just did. Uh, oh, okay. But if you really want people to go, you let them know that there's an open bar. It's PG-13 slash rated R, and this is the opportunity for HR people, HR professionals, business owners, business leaders, and executives to let their hair down and get to know each other on a human level instead are, of being are, all stuck up at a regular conference. Are we really allowed to say let your hair down still? I th- I thought that we can't say that anymore because people who don't what? have hair feel disenfranchised by the statement. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Oh, I've never heard of people being upset with that. Yeah, it was the whole uh, Jada Pinkett uh, Will Smith thing and the smack heard around the world with Chris Rock. It was the whole hair thing. So now we can't say that we can't say let your hair down. Well, why would you to people that don't have hair? Well, I'm it's like asking me how many push-ups my dad could do, and he doesn't have arms, you know? <laughs> I haven't asked you that in years because of that. <laughs> Dude, let's tell people. Come on, let's tell people. So, JC and I, back in the day, um, we used to just go to random restaurants. Uh, and uh, when, the, <laughs> when the waiter or waitress would come over, um, we just you know just start messing with them. And JC would ask him, "Hey, just uh, you know, strap a good conversation about fitness and uh, and different things you can do to stay in shape." And and he will enthusiastically ask the waitress, "Just oh, dude, ask me, ask me how many pushups my dad can do." And she's like, "Oh my God, how many pushups can your dad do?" And then he starts crying, <laughs> "None. He has no arms." And next thing you know, I'm dying laughing. Everybody's dying laughing. The server is mortified, but dying laughing. <laughs> and then uh, it, it's, just, it's, it's just a thing that you used to do that made me laugh. And then we go to a Hooters one time and you want and in Buffalo and you wanted to uh, you wanted me to act like I, didn't I was speak English. I was your interpreter. This wasn't a me thing. This was a mutually agreed upon experience. I was Ricky's interpreter and we had agreed that he wanted to know if the chickens were fresh. From in back, <laughs> just like on the farm in Puerto Rico. Whatever. It was your idea. Yeah. Don't even come with that. And of course, no one in my area speaks Spanish at all, you know, so I was able to pull that off and it, it was kind of funny. I think you made a lifelong friend that day that you never talked to again. No, she really I was liked uh, you. afraid. I was she, I think she felt bad because I was asking if they have any live chickens at a Hooters. This is so, like yeah, crazy I think- talk now. <laughs> This is just over the top. We've, it's just practical jokes, goofy things. Both our fathers are dead. Ricky eats chicken out of the freezer. It's all good, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry about these things. Okay? Boy, what happened to the show? Yeah, it went off the rails. So really in the world the of human resources, Rick, a lot's been going on over the past few weeks. 
But from your world and your perspective, how tough is it to fill these jobs still? Is it really hard or not so much? The jobs report came out. We're going to be covering that in uh, current events coming up momentarily, as well as more about the AB5 rulings and adjudications, as well as a sample of a potential four-day work week to be introduced. All hot topics that are a repeat of everything that we've all talked about over the past five years, but it's coming back up again. HR. So back to your world. Um, where you at, man? I mean, <laughs> unemployment's at three point six percent, I believe. So uh, you're good, right? All jobs are filled. No, no. Um, I think yeah. So the jobs report also, and I'll wait till we talk about it in the current event. But it's it's uh, numbers from the from the numbers perspective are looking good. From an HR perspective, it does look good. From a business owner perspective and a market perspective, it kind of scares me though, JC. Why? Because, well, you know, it's it's we're we're doing so good, quote unquote, numbers wise. We're having a hard time to really keep positions filled. That's what I'm seeing with my clients. That's what I'm seeing with everybody else out there, especially keep it, here. Keeping them feel like like people are leaving. They don't like your culture or environment, or they can't stand you and they leave. Or or what are we talking? Well, Multiple factors. People people leave because they think they can make more money somewhere else. And then when people interview and we make an offer, we get ghosted or we just get ghosted left and right throughout the whole interview process. This is big shift yeah. in service. Huge. And I'm and I, I'm noticing that and people are starting to hold on to their purse a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that before. I'm seeing clients. I'm seeing e- 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 even the market. It's slowly slowly starting to come back down so when i see that big jobs report and ne- and then you see other companies that are laying off left and right see some improvement just laid off a couple of weeks ago you got carvana that laid off you got coinbase that uh that are laid off so these things are starting to happen the uh, real estate market is continuing to climb and climb and that bubble is about to hit so I'm concerned because I don't want to continue to fill these payroll and we're only looking at 30 days in front of us and not really focusing in six months in front of us and how what the market is going to look like by the end of the beginning yeah, of, of I, next year. I really don't think that there's any way you could plausibly do that with, with reasonable expectation at this point. I mean, a lot of the current events right now, U.S. recession this year is now more likely than not. Uh, stock market crash, not sole cause of Great Depression, plan for the future recessions might become depressions. It's plausible we might be heading towards a depression and not a recession. Seven tips on how to prepare for a recession, whether it's coming or not. Yeah. Are we on the road to America's second Great Depression? These are all stories that are key headlines over the past week. I'm not going to read every single one of those. Ladies and gentlemen, feel free to do uh, a bit of digging. Just just uh, take a look. But it's um, you don't know what to expect. And man, for, for all the businesses... That laid a lot of stock and 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 a lot of um, worth, rather laid a lot of financial worth and and even time into crypto markets for mm. trying to advance their their workforce, you know, and and maybe come up with retirement options. And then now that that's tanking out, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's going to hit a low point, then it's going to come back up it's again, bounce back. Yeah, but that's just like the market and everything else, and. We might even be on the precipice of a digital dollar in the coming year or two, you know? So there's there's a whole lot going on, man. Oh, that one made you smile. Talk to me. Talk to well, me about it, those dimples, you well, dimple man. I, I, so I believe in cryptocurrency. I believe in, I believe there is a shift that is going to come here in the next 15 years or so. And it is going to be in the cryptocurrency space. I know that there's a lot of social media posts out there from billionaires now who, like, 
Warren Buffett's one of them who's saying that, and, and Bill Gates, that cryptocurrency is a fad. It's not going to go anywhere. Well, of course, a billionaire who got who made billions with the American dollar is going to say that because the cryptocurrency space is a challenge to the American dollar that is no longer on the gold standard. But that's a whole nother show. But from my perspective, I know, I know why you're playing down music, so shut up. From my perspective, um, in the in the near future, crypto is going to be king. And there's clients today that use cryptocurrency as a variable form of income, i.e. bonuses. So it's happening, brother. It's happening. Brought to you. <laughs> Too soon. Take that off. No. No. He got 30 years for being a creep. Uh-uh. Take that off. Did he? I, what happened? I what are you R. talking Kelly, right? about? What are you talking That's about? R- yeah, what happened? I've been are working. You don't know? Yeah, no, I've been working. You lived a life of the independent consultant with multiple clients. <laughs> you get to stay on top so, of the tabloid news. What happened? It's not tabloid news. R. Kelly got sentenced to, I believe, 30 years. I'm going to bring that up right now. Hold oh, on. no. Did he? Yes, he did because of his uh, his crazy. It, I'm not even going to say it because it's freaking nasty. Uh, Kelly, hold on to you right now. Well, got, I mean, you got to kind of give some context. Why did he get 30 years? I'm def- I'm not even kidding with you. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know who R. Kelly is. I knew that he was in trouble. I didn't know what for, and I didn't realize okay. he was uh, convicted on a 30 year term. So here we go. So I I am getting this directly from cnn.com by it's a story by Sonia Moog and Dakin Andone. R Kelly sentenced to 30 years in prison for federal racketeering and sex trafficking charges. Here's the first sentence. This great R&B singer R. Kelly was sentenced for 30 years in prison Wednesday following a conviction last year on federal racketeering and sex trafficking charges stemming from his efforts over years to use his fame to enslave victims he sexually abused. Wow. Dude, he belongs in jail. So, yeah, all this music, for it's, I just feel weird having that on the show, brother. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. Let's kick you back. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Inspirational quotes with Ricky Baez. Here we go. A person without a vision is a person without a future. A person without a future will always return to their past. Wise words from a wise man, Ricky Baez. I'm not going to try to transcribe that one and turn it into something new today. We'll just leave it as is. Very wise words. It sounds like something you may have read from a Chinese fortune cookie or the internet. I don't know. One of the two. It probably was. It probably was from a fortune cookie. (laughs) Hey, we've got a lot to cover today, but you've got a lot going on as well. Was there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, your other HR talk program or anything else you want to plug while you've got the mic? <laughs> no, actually, you know, so I heard you talk about the the uh, the new story for the four-day work week. Our friend of the show, Jordan George, actually did a really good piece on that, a disruptive chart this past time, about the, the, um, the possibility or the idea of the four-day work week, which... I personally agree with. So what about you, JC? Let's say if you was offered the opportunity to work four 10-hour days, is that something you would like to do? No. Why? 
you did what you just posed. You you posed for ten hour days. Yeah, the least amount that I could do in a day, the better. Okay, exactly. So so <laughs> I would rather go five days at seven and a half to eight hours, right? Than do four days at ten. Any any day of the week, absolutely. Now, when you get into a true four day work week model where you're four days at eight hours a piece, there's a different ball of wax. Well, when I thought I wanted a four day work week, you know, four tens until I started working for Orange County Public Schools. And it's for me in in the summertime, obviously, when school was out, the the admin department, they worked those four tens in in the summer. And I thought I liked it. Here's what happened on day one. 8 a.m. I'm in the office. All right. Everything's going good. 2, 2, 2.30 p.m. I need some coffee to kind of wake up again. And then 5 p.m. I'm trying to go home. No. <laughs> Wait a minute. I got a couple of more hours. Yeah, man. And I was the uh, same boat. Same boat when I was at public broadcasting. When I was with the PBS system uh, at the local affiliate, we had a 37 and a half hour work <laughs> week. It's not a 35 or 36, but it definitely wasn't 40. But I want to tell you something. You wound up working 60 hours a week. But I'll, I'll tell you what, it comes down to the culture and the environments, environments, because in that environment, there was a there was a realm of flexibility. You know, you, you work hard, you play hard uh, when it's when it's time to get some stuff done. You had to get it done. You know, it's it was TV. It's make or break. But at the same time, when you needed some flexibility to take care of your family or, or you know, you wanted to go do something, it, it was there. It was built in as long as your work was done. It comes down to the leaders, the culture and the environment, really, at the end of the day. But different jobs, different organizations, different cultures. So it comes not down every to the leader, leader looks at it that way. Exactly. Well, it does. So, so that's where I wanted to shift. So let's pause the employee ideal and let me give you this example. Let's say you want to you want to hire somebody to do your employee handbook, and you get a quote from person one that says it's going to take me twenty hours to put this together, and it's going to cost five thousand dollars. Person two tells you, yeah, I can get that to you for for five thousand dollars, but I get it to you in five hours. Who are you going to go with? What kind of questions do you have? Why does it take that much less for this person to do it? That right there tells you what kind of leader you have on your hands. Because if you have somebody that's more focused on the time it takes to do a job and less focus on the value that you're getting for your money, that's what separates what kind of a leader is going to be more acceptable for this four-day work week. Because you do have some leaders out there that tend to focus more on what kind of hours the employee is putting in and not focusing on the quality of hours that he or she are putting in. And that's when it becomes an issue to the organization, and that's what creates friction between the leaders and the employees. So taking a look at one of the um, multiple articles that were published this week, this is not our current events segment yet by any stretch of the imagination, but since we're on the topic, it's a perfect time to bring it up. Trials of the four-day week in Iceland were overwhelmingly successful, according to researchers. The 2015 to 2019 trials compensated workers for the same, uh, compensated workers the same for shorter hours. Most workplaces maintained or increased productivity, according to experts. Spain and Unilever in New Zealand are doing other studies. Preschools, offices, social services, and hospitals all participated. Many of them switched from a 40-hour week to a 35- or 36-hour week, says UK and Icelandic researchers. When thinking about the permission of hybrid work, England's former prime minister, which that's a whole other topic, right? Says most COVID rules will cease. 86% of Iceland's workforce has switched 
to shorter hours for the same income or will obtain the right to, according to research. Worker stress, burnout risk, health, work-life balance all improved. They have more time for family, hobbies, and duties. The world's largest trial of a reduced working week in the public sector was a huge success, according to Autonomy's Will Strong. The public sector is ready to be a pioneer of shorter work weeks, and other governments can learn from it. All the researcher, Goodmander Haraldson, observed the Icelandic shorter working week path shows that progressive transformation is achievable. And due to coronavirus, Spain is experimenting a four-day work week as we speak. This is, this is, I just had a class start on Wednesday and, and they're probably listening. Hello, Masters of HR program, summer class, session two over at Rollins, which uh, Mondays and Wednesdays during class, I'm in class with them. And I should share with them that I am, I envy them. Because they are getting into the HR world. Well, I do. Because they I are don't. getting into the HR world where there's a huge shift. I they were able you. to see what it was before and where it's switching into early on in their career, which is more likely for them to be more adaptable to it. Look, why I'm don't you? Yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly why I don't envy them. Because they have you as a teacher. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> they love my classes, so whatever. Um, no, but it's, your glasses. They, I like the black ones glasses. too. They're very nice glasses. C L A S S. No, they Jeez. they are. Listen, if if you are uh, doing the educational thing because that's what you were told to do or you choose to do, stay with me for a second here, though. If you go back okay. to the late seventies and early eighties, decades before many of you were born, there was this fancy thing that was created right around the time you know a little bit before ET became popular, and it was called the LED. Ooh, gosh. Oh, gosh, my my clock at home is LED. It's the wave of the future. It's the new thing, you know, and it, let's let's just put that in 1980 without doing any research. Right. So 80 to 90, 90 to 2000. There's 20 years, 2000 to 2010, 2010 to 2020. There's another 20 years. 42 years later, you got LED TVs, you got LED flat screens, touch screens, this, that, the other. And you're still not taking full advantage of LED technology. 40 years, 40 years, this whole transition that we're talking about, the shorter work week, the different perspectives, et cetera, if you're getting into your career right now, these things have been churning for maybe about the past decade, maybe the past 20, 30 years, but you really haven't seen a major shift till the coronavirus took place, took hold and strangled us all. And then we were all vaccinated and we still got it. it didn't matter. So here we are, right? We are on the precipice of this new world. All of you that are learning the wrong way from uh, learning the right way to do things from Ricky <laughs> and that are going to get your degree. Look, I'm only kidding, ladies and gentlemen. I really am. Trust me. He's got a lot to offer. 350 something episodes of this. Trust us. OK, you have a brand new future ahead of you. There's going to be so much that changes within your career compared to the old people like Rick. So by the time he retires, which isn't far around the corner. Okay, he's going to retire. I'm not going to be able to retire. I'm going to be working until I'm dead. But this guy, he's going to retire early. You're going to see him on a mountaintop in Puerto Rico uh, reciting songs like The Sound of Music, but it'll all be titled VII, right? It's going to be a magical thing. Well, well, you, I know, really be cool, right? (laughs) I like that. I got an idea for TikTok. Well, you, (laughs) young master student being anywhere from the age of 20 something to 30 something, maybe even 50 something, depending where you are. 
You have a long future and career ahead of you. You have a lot of fantastic things that are going to open up in a very bigly way. You got very good stuff happening. You're going to see it all. It's going to be very good, very big. It's very big. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I just Thank didn't know so where much. to go with that. Okay, you're very no, welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. That's, that's awesome. You're welcome, yeah. too. Yeah, the person hitting the button. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're, so welcome. You <laughs> you're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. Dude, I am envious of them. I am because uh, they, they, they get to really mold what the future of work life is going to look like. Shape. Right? Mold like shape, not mold. Shape. Like... Mold it, yes, not not, cr- not grow the fungus that actually makes people sick. That's not yeah. what I'm talking no. about. Is shape the future of human resources, and we're starting to see that shift. I'm starting to see it now, and I have to remember because there are some things that I'm seeing that I'm like, ah, I don't know if I agree with that or not. But I got to remember how I felt coming into this field and seeing how the old leader used to do the old things that I didn't agree with and push back. So instead of me being that guy that's always quote unquote yelling for the kids to get off my lawn i'd rather keep that open door come on in sit down let's have let me help me understand your point of view why you want to make this route why you want to take that route with this business leader and what i i learned in the past five in the past five years or so what i have learned is i it's better for me to take a step back if one of my hr managers and the business partners are okay in a decision that they're making so long as a they're not violating the law and b um it's it's it creates a more fruitful environment for the employees then let them do it let them make their mistakes and go back from there so i guess what i'm saying here for all the hr leaders out there you have some young hrg hrm that that has a really ambitious idea make sure that you walk them through it make sure that you uh, assess the risk involved in it and let them make their mistakes that's right ladies Dude, and really gentlemen. at the part where they have to listen the most is when you go ahead and make your mistakes <laughs> and learn from those that's lessons you got even if it's the hard way it might take you 30 years to overcome that mistake but that's fine but you will have no regrets oh no <laughs> Depending who you are, you may have regrets. Well, that's that's where the risk analysis comes in. Right. There you go. All right. All right. So with that being said, uh, moving right along, there was a uh, piece that was sent to me from from someone. Ricky, I sent that to you on the uh, message thingy that we have. If you want to get that pulled up, it's a a screenshot I sent over your way. I, I would love for you to read and share this, actually, if you head into the current events conversation. Uh, this came across the desk of JC over the past couple weeks here, and um, it's it's extremely interesting. You got that pulled up, Rick? Is this the one from our favorite attorney in Florida? Yes, it is. Go ahead. Give it a read from top to bottom. Feel free to mention his name. All right. This is from Mr. David Miklas. Actually, he also had a great presentation at the last Disrupt HR, uh, Orlando's 11.0. But this is what he put on LinkedIn about a week ago. And I quote, why is this employment lawyer making me think about Chuck D and Flavor Flav? Well, because some in hashtag HR might just be public enemy number one. Apparently, some of you HR folks are sending your employee surveys, are are sending your employees surveys and telling them that they are anonymous when they really are not. Well, (laughs) they are on to you. Let's just say that there is a viral TikTok out there talking about this. One TikToker responded, quote, I once completed an anonymous survey. A few weeks later, they reached out to me by Slack asking me to clarify some points. Never trusted them again. Wow. 
I'll come back to that one. Another comment, quote, an analyst in the X team said that me, the only analyst in the team. Okay, got it. Uh, Okay, folks, this is not cool. So that's when David continues. This is a perfect example why many employees just do not trust HR. Do not do stuff like this. Nothing about any employment laws today. Just this. Yeah, boy. That literally is how he ended it. So I had to throw that in there. For those of you who don't know that reference, Chuck D, Flavor Flav, Public Enemy, old school, real old school hip hop group. Well, the, the whole point of making an anonymous survey is to allow folks the opportunity to express how they really feel without fear of retaliation from the employer, Rick. You know? It is. So I've been on both sides of this, JC. I've been on the, I've been on the side where... Oh, well, both, 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 both sides have been the HR person supporting the organization. I've been on the side where the employee puts something so out there that leadership is like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We have to dig deeper. And then they probably tell the HR person, hey, I need you to find out who this person was. And then I tell them we should not be doing that because that completely takes away the, the, any kind of credibility for being anonymous. So leave go. that S alone. Here's, here's more detail on that one. His manager revealed the word anonymous was a lie and that employees' responses were still tracked. Quote, my manager tried for a solid two and a half weeks to get this meeting with me. In the end, I just got written up for something stupid, and that was it. End quote. His TikTok begins with him in his nurse scrubs and a microphone in his hand stating, quote, All right, so this is how I got in trouble for doing the anonymous survey at work. So I get an email from my manager saying, Hey, do this anonymous survey about what you don't like about work. And you know, <laughs> here's the thing. I was super critical on that survey, but I was also very professional. And then the next day, my manager comes up to me and says, hey, let's have a meeting about that survey. And I was like, um, no, thank you. And also, I thought that that was an anonymous, by the way. (laughs) Okay. And she flat out told me, yeah, no, they can still track you. And the chief nursing officer wants to talk to you as well. End quote. He goes on to say, quote, nope. I'm not going to meet you for this meeting. I'm not going to do it. And my manager tried for like a solid two and a half weeks to get this meeting with me. And in the end, I just get written up for something stupid. And that was it. End quote. TikTokers who say the post had a litany of different reactions. uh, Some caution to never trust anonymous work surveys as they're a setup and upper management almost always knows who's writing what. Others want to know what the survey entailed, which, according to Alex in the comment section, quote, I mentioned we shouldn't be double-rooming oncology patients with other kids who are RSV and flu positive, end quote. Others say that this kind of treatment of nurses is indicative of why so many are leaving in droves. If you get written up, it's time to leave. Obviously, they do track you. Now, you know anything that comes from work is never anonymous. It helps them call any troublemakers. And there's a lot more opinion that goes along with that. So... Here's here's my advice to business leaders, actually, and HR folks first. Actually, let me just focus on on the HR people. The best way to attack surveys is not to leave open ended, uh, not to ask for open ended answers, right? No, it's go ahead and give them an option. Whether it does this statement more complies with this or that. Here's why: because if you leave the opportunity to put things like that, then you leave the opportunity for somebody wanting to find out what they meant by it. 
That's one area. But that's when you, from an HR point of view, you need to stop that HR leader from trying to find out who said what and focus more on trying to fix the issue what that person there it said. Is. There it is. And, and to me, that's a shift to more of an agile environment of leadership, right? Because if you are going to take a more open stance and you're going with the open-ended question, which, which I'm a huge advocate of, I think that there should be more transparency and discussion. And if people bring up something in a vulnerable fashion that is instrumental to advancing and propelling your organization to the next level, you need to be professional enough to keep your head on straight and say, look, yep. you know, I, I really appreciate the feedback that came from this. Let's discuss it further. But at that rate, don't state that it was anonymous. Bring this forward as as something that could be a good constructive discussion. Yeah. And change the environment and the culture. The fact that you even have to have this survey be anonymous is a testament to the negative effects of your culture. Right, there you go. Right there in and of itself. So it, it's it's a double-edged sword, but that's also part of the shift, right? That's also part of the shift. Let it be in human resources, in leadership, in, in cultures, and in organizations. If you have that huge authoritarian stance, my way or the highway, do it this way or you're out of here. That's really hard. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to take any of these advancements, man. Here's it, it. It is, and this is why this makes this whole this whole scenario makes it difficult for the HR person, especially. And I'm talking to 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 the HR people out there again. It's another reason why not to leave a box to put in whatever is. What are you going to do if the employee decides to take this opportunity to write how he or she was sexually harassed? How he or she, uh, it's, I think it's unfair that they didn't get this promotion. Automatically, as soon as you see something like that, HR folks, this survey does not become anonymous anymore. Because now you have to go follow that rabbit hole and conduct an investigation. By law, you have to do that. So now you're going to break that promise. Let's talk about so, that. Let's, let's yeah? dig in on that as a, as a prime example. So mm -hmm. if, if you've established that this, you, you've laid the ground rules. You want to stand by your word. You want to continue to build a culture of trust with your employees. You're trying to change your culture and environment. You put the statement out there that this is completely anonymous and you receive that type of feedback. Just from where I'm sitting, and maybe I'm not right, and, and I know a lot of times I'm not right, but I do understand the need that you may have to do some sort of investigation, but to make it not anonymous anymore is also a double-edged sword, right? Because then you're going back on your word. Is there another creative way? So here's my question to you. Is there another creative way that you could tackle that to potentially initiate those types of discussions to then encourage that information to come out in a different way so that you maintain the integrity of the survey being anonymous? It's so great question, because this is what I want everybody out there to know It's here's here's how you position that the best way to get the most realest, rawest, truest answers from your survey is to launch a really good communication strategy before, during, and after the uh, the survey is conducted. So before, here's what that communication strategy looks like. Not an email explaining what the survey is, a video from the leader in charge. A video saying, look, we want, we want what's best for the organization, and we want to be an X position in X years. And this is how we get there. I want to make sure that I'm listening to what to to what the employees want. That way we can make sure we get the culture in an in an environment where we can meet those goals. So please be open and honest. And if you have something like re that 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 you want to share to HR, please go to your to your leaders, go to human resources. Because if you share anything that we have to investigate by law, then 
we have to take a deeper dive into it. So please, if you have something like that, let me share with you the other avenues of approach you can take to communicate that. But the survey, to keep it as anonymous as possible, please talk about just the culture issues that you think should be changed and nothing too specific to you. Something like that and be sincere with it. Trust me, dude, you're going to get a lot more of the answers you're looking for than if you just threw it, threw it out there. Now, during the survey, Let's communicate what, you know, how many numbers you've received and, and be really clear, be really clear that you only see numbers, not IT addresses. I mean, IP addresses, emails or names or anything like that. But you want to communicate to let people know who may have yet to take the survey to encourage them to make the survey. And I forgot one more thing. At the beginning and the middle of the end, it is also important for you to get the most turnout and for people to take this seriously is to communicate what you are able to uh, to uh, to affect and change and what you cannot and more importantly explaining why so that way they know they were heard so you lay the ground rules all of that's on the table all of that is now part of the box that frames the playground that this is taking place in and now something like what we discussed comes up and you discover through this process as the leader rick you discover that someone and i hate to use hierarchy terms but someone on your team who is lesser than you, someone who is striving for more, someone who is that hungry shark. Maybe they're a staffer. I don't know, like a staffing shark or someone, right? They're mm-hmm. ready to pounce, right? And they they get wind about everything that's going on. So they do their digging. They do some diligence. They do some extra research. It's not an official investigation. Mm-hmm. They go to the depth of finding out the IP address, of finding out who the employee is. They know who it is, and they leak that information forward with the intent of highlighting themselves of being how effective they are compared to, you know, the current leader in place says this. However, what I would do, because this is the employee at hand and they bring that stuff forward and they, they try to, they try to be subversive to the environment that Mm -hmm. you're creating. What do you do? So this goes back to, to to the planning phase. What would you do? Yes. No, I mean like all the way down to how you meet people in the parking lot and throw them up against their car. Like what do (laughs) you do? I'm explaining that. So this goes back, this goes back to, to the, to the planning, the communication strategy, because the communication is not just to the employees, it's to my team as well. So I'm going to give my team some clear rules, clear directions on what is allowed and what is not allowed. And I'm going to be 110% clear. And my team knows that when, when, as far as being anonymous, as far, as far as confidentiality, I take that very seriously. Even after I set that, and if I find out somebody on my team has violated that directive, that directive, and they've, and they violated the trust of the employees, that to me is terms for separation of employment. Not progressive discipline, not a written warning, not a final written warning, because if I can't trust them, that's a top seller. That's a producer, man. That's someone in your executive circle. That's like, I can't trust them. I cannot trust them. I'm sorry. I cannot have them on my team. No, that's fine. I can train somebody else to work at that level, but somebody I cannot trust, somebody I don't have confidence in, have no space on my team. You know. Promoted to customer. Strong words from a strong man. The Darth Vader of HR, Ricky Bites. <laughs> I don't want that title. <laughs> no. I know you don't. I know you don't. Hey, uh, guess what, man? What? Ah, flutes. It's time.
That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Current events on HR Talk this week is brought to us in part by Baez Co. Your spot for job placement in the executive ranks. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you're looking to fill senior leadership roles and you need someone to recruit the best of the best out there, stop by BiasCo.com. That team will find you your next senior vice president in charge of everything. I'm telling totally you. Anonymous. I'm telling you. Totally anonymous, too. They won't even let you know who they are. You know? <laughs> They'll just show up. You know, they'll be like, hey, I was told to show up. I'm starting today. Who are you? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. What a great idea. Where would you like? <laughs> no, I know. Right. And then they get pissed off because their paychecks like 33% less. Well, that's how it goes. <laughs> All right. Um, we've got two stories to choose from. Choose your own adventure. What would you like first? Jobs report or AB5? Jobs report. Unfortunately, Amazon has been experiencing difficulty filling open positions. The company is the second largest private employer in the world behind Walling Martins. And a leaked (laughs) document indicated that by 2024, the company fears it would run out of suitable warehouse workers in the United States. It generated that prediction based on demographic and location data for a subset of the U.S. labor population it believes to be qualified or likely to work in its fulfillment centers. Meanwhile, in the near future of 2022, the corporation overhired in order to cover for workers that contracted COVID. After experiencing the labor shortage for a while and having trouble filling positions in its vast United States-wide network of warehouses, the company plans to hire an additional 270,000 people by the end of 2021. According to the most recent U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics report, the surge in transportation and warehousing jobs continued in June. The greatest rise was in warehousing and storage, demonstrating the durability of delivery as the pandemic reshaped how we buy and get almost everything. Meanwhile, salary growth for the transportation and warehousing workers is in the doable digits. Uh, Let that be even double digits. My apologies. Indicating that firms are raising wages to attract and retain workers. It's difficult to imagine Amazon firing off its fulfillment workers because it's not an easy job. Amazon's turnover rates can reach 100%. According to the New York Times, Jeff Bezos, Amazon's founder, work turnover is baked into the employment equation. In his opinion, warehouse jobs do not require substantial training. Thus, the corporation may hire and lose workers in a perpetual loop, and they're fine Mm. with that. There's no Mm. certainty that the current rate of increase in fulfillment jobs will continue indefinitely. For the time being, however, the high demand for transportation and warehousing labor to fulfill our shopping requirements is a positive indicator for the overall U.S. economy. The U.S. labor market created 370,000 jobs in June at a time when recession fears are mounting and the Federal Reserve is hiking interest rates to contain inflation, while everyone is fearful that a depression may be around the corner and the market will continue to drop. But it doesn't matter because the market created 370,000 jobs in June. (laughs) Ricky Baez, back to you. So, you know, Amazon, a couple of months ago, one of their uh, warehouses up in uh, the, the uh, oh my, Northeast, they unionized. And I said, oof, they're in trouble now. They're, because once that fire gets going, it's going to spread and spread. And a lot of other warehouses are doing it. And now that coupled with the, the shortage of, of, uh, of workers that they're experiencing, that coupled with how innovative they are, 
Amazon, as much of a black eye do they get in the marketplace about all the how they treat workers, that is not a company to mess with. And here's why. Now, Jesse, I'm going to ask you, have you ever had the opportunity to go inside of an Amazon warehouse? No. No? All right. So they, I've been, they almost hired you to run like everything, didn't they? You've been inside those. I have been inside those. I think you even told me you took like a crane ride, like the robot picked you up and swung (laughs) you around. I did not take a crane ride. (laughs) I almost worked there, actually. I even took In the warehouse? And and everything. Yeah, yeah, as as their... um, Warehouse uh, worker? No, leading their HR office. It would have been cooler if it was warehouse worker. Go ahead. Yeah, it would have. But here's what I saw when I was touring the uh, the uh, the warehouse. Depression. There's a lot of robots there. Depression. <laughs> hunger. I kind of I kind of saw that too. But Sadness. I saw a lot of automative, a, a lot of automation, a lot of robots that go in, they grab things and take them to other places. Now that should scare the workers. Because Amazon is a forward-thinking, innovative company. They've, they've developed drones that deliver uh, um, uh, products to customers. They're, they're, they, they bought like 25 jumbo jet airliners to cut the uh, UPS and all oh these God. other people to... Uh, what? This is perfect. That would be a great place to work. Imagine you're, you need to get to work. They send a drone to pick you up. You get to work, and robots just carry you around to different spots. Now, hey, man, I got to get back to the robot lift in 10 minutes. What do you need? Give, give it 30 years. You're, you got you're little joking. D-loops on the back of your suspenders. Just bloop. Where's Ricky going? Gotta, He'll be back. Butterfly Uber. Um, yeah, dude, it, it's give it 30 years. That's what's going to happen. But I, I guarantee there is going to be a point in time, JC, where there will be no human workers in an Amazon warehouse. It's Ooh. all going to be automated. There may even be a time in the future when there might not be any human writers inside a newspaper building. And we talked about that. <laughs> we, we did. We did. Yeah. Which that's something yeah. that yeah, I'm afraid of because it, it, it's I don't want to let a robot take over the creative writing process for me. <laughs> that's one thing I want to keep to myself. But yeah, dude, these these numbers are scary because they're forcing a, a behemoth like Amazon into a corner where now they really have to push up those timelines of automation. And that's going to mean a lot of these human jobs that are, that are existing right now, they're not going to exist in the near future. Well, just so, like we read in the article when they brought their quotes forward there, man, they don't care. It's a continuous loop. Right. It, it, it's they 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 have the resources they have the uh, talent to be able to put forecasts together where that's going to be true and they know that's why they're putting a lot of money behind it so for organization yes you know and, and if if employees feel like they're being cheated like they're being taken advantage of yes speak up but damn to this company you keep pushing them next thing you know you're not going to have anywhere to work and that's happening right now with truck drivers and tesla 10 years out of a job. Sorry. Excellent segue, Mr. Baez. Yeah. I wanted to hear that part of the song. <laughs> That's why oh, I didn't okay. talk yet. I like when it cracks <laughs> like that. 70,000 truck owner operators that compose California's transportation business are in limbo while state level labor standards applied to them creating another choke point in the United States supply chains. A dozen truckers told Bloomberg News they're unsure how to comply with California's Assembly Bill 5, which requires workers to pass a three-part test to be labeled independent contractors or employees eligible to benefits. The trucking sector relies on contractors who have been immune from state laws until now. 
The Supreme Court on June 30th refused to examine a lawsuit challenging AB5, which sets which sets employment status requirements for truck owner operators in the state of California. The California Trucking Association, which challenged the law, says it may force thousands of independent truckers off the road while they comply with new restrictions. More than 70% of truckers serving Los Angeles, Long Beach, and Oakland are owner-operators, and AB5 will oversee their relationship with carriers, brokers, and chippers. Narita Taylor, Director of Public Relations at the Owner-Operator Independent Drivers Association, stated, quote, We have never gotten solid answers from any one official in California on how this is supposed to be enforced or how our members may comply, end quote. The law goes into force for truckers as stores stock up on back-to-school and holiday products. Dock workers and railroad workers are also negotiating contracts. Additional transportation bottlenecks would deepen pandemic supply chain disruptions and increase inflationary pressures, slowing economic growth. But just remember, 370,000 new jobs were created last month in June <laughs> in the warehouse sector. Ricky Bias, back to you. I don't know if it's in the warehouse sector, but okay, that's going to be the end of every topic. Remember, all these jobs were brought into in, in June. Now, I don't know, in the article, did it talk about what percentage of the trucking workforce is made up of 1099 workers and what percentage is W-2s? I did not see that in there. Because I would assume if more were 1099s, that's why there's such a big push for that's, this. To that's make this whole more thing. W-2. That's yeah. the whole thing right here. Is is that's that's the premise of the whole AB five thing. So I don't understand why California is so hard bent on that. I I I I, I get. I would have to assume they've had enough complaints to say that there are some companies that are trying to get over the IRS and paying taxes by treating employees like 1099 workers or vice versa. Well, it goes back to the soldiers of Pole, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> I forget about them. I forget about that whole initiative, right? Um, no, but it, it's that's more another element to push the industry to go automate it, right? Because a robot doesn't have a social security number. An automated truck, you don't have to, well, you got to pay different taxes on that. And Tesla just earlier this year came out with a truck that's completely automated. And now they're going to push that timeline up. And folks, make no mistake, the bloodline, the blood, the, the lifeblood of this country are truckers. And we saw that. When the pandemic hit, everything stopped. We're feeling those 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 valleys, those those speed bumps in the uh, in the supply chain right now because it's we're starting to see how important truckers are. But I got to tell you, whether they're important or not, what however you feel on, about that, situations like this pushes companies, innovative companies, to start automating things, and that's again more people out of a job. So it's it's going to be really interesting what's going to happen in this next five to ten years um, in that industry, as well as the uh, four day work week. So let's see what happens. Exciting time to be in HR. Florida Man Stories this week brought to you in part by. We don't have a sponsor for this portion. Ah. Yeah. Tim Hortons. It's not brought to you by anyone today. Oh, okay. That's quite fine. You got coffee. Well, I went to jail. They come arrested me last Thursday. They were here. I lose them to animals, but I was not expecting them to lose them to my neighbor. That was like my friend. Neighbors in a fight. 
over a dead rooster and one of them facing a felony charge. Aggravated animal cruelty is a third degree felony, meaning that he could face up to five years in prison. I'm Tanika Hughes. I'm Ben Becker in for John Bachman. Actually, Jack's Kristen Rarey's live at JSO. Kristen, all right, so you spoke to both neighbors who disagree on how and why the rooster died. Yeah, and the two neighbors say they will not come to an agreement, but no matter what, it ended with one of them spending 30 hours inside the jail on an animal cruelty charge he says he disagrees with. I didn't know to give it a 21-gun salute. CPR, mouth to mouth, you know, or call the chicken ambulance. Big Roo was Jason. <laughs> Wait a second, let me pause. That. Do you have a chicken ambulance? In okay, give it mouth to mouth. He says pet rooster. That is until James Nix hit it with a stick. So I'm defending myself. You know, I was feared for my safety. And the chicken, you know, uh, d died. Nick says the rooster attacked people. I have not heard that because I know the neighbor here. Uh, I know him. Like, we're, we're friends. <laughs> he never said anything to me about it. I did oh tell him. We're friends. He attacked my and killed my rooster with a <laughs> stick, but we're friends. After the chicken hit, my dad said, hey, man, the chicken attacked my dad. Oh, what's the deal? It's just a chicken. What's he going to do? You know, okay, well, look. The neighbors even disagree on how others <laughs> saw Big Roo. He goes, well, look, and he holds up pictures of pockmarks all over his body from from the rooster. Kids that used to live over there, they were throwing rocks and sticks at this chicken to keep it away. I know the kids down here, they played with the rooster a little bit, like would throw rocks at it and chase it. So one day when Nick says the rooster followed him and attacked him. His neck flares up and he's doing his thing and he's trying to jump up at me. He was trying to get the animal away. And I try to hit it, but the chicken's jumping up at me and I accidentally knocked it in the head. You know, call it a lucky shot, whatever. But when Dave Felice came home, all he saw was his rooster dead in a ditch. I said, I'm calling JSO. I called JSO. JSO didn't do nothing. Then a couple of days later, I, I realized I could call animal control. And in late June, James Nix went to jail for animal cruelty. Next thing you know, he calls the chicken police on me. While the neighbors continue the fight, Nick says he never should have been arrested. Chickens are dying every day, people, at churches, Popeyes, and Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> hey, what? Really? What? Wait. All right, we're going to stop the story right there. Chickens are dying at churches. Oh, at churches? God. Ricky, what's he talking about? What are Church you doing in Florida? Chicken. Church's, church's chicken is a, a chain down here. You oh, guys don't have that up north in no, Buffalo. I, I no, thought like I thought that? he was talking like it's a you know Protestant or Roman Catholic thing. It I, did I, sound I, like that. It did sound we like we do that, this crazy but... Baptist thing. Like I didn't know what he was getting at. <laughs> Brother, that has got to be the funniest Florida man story I have yeah, ever you heard. You said that to me, and Folks, I'm still kind of blown away by it. Dissected a bit for us, brother. I I was dying. I thought it was fake. I thought it was one of those one of those prank. You know, it, it's a social media influencer. No, this is a real story. And it's just a couple of guys who, I guess, have a disagreement about this rooster. And it's just, I'm sorry, dude. It sounds so made up. And you know, you know who I feel bad for? I feel bad for the reporter trying to keep a straight face during the story and listening to this guy talk, talking about the chicken police. Chicken are dying every day at churches, Popeyes and KFC. How do you not laugh at that? And the people in the van, in the production van, putting this together, they must have been dying laughing, listening to this story and splicing those things together, especially when 
the one guy is saying that uh, the kids are afraid of it. They're throwing rocks and sticks at it. And right after that segment, it talks about the other guy. The kids are playing with it, with their rocks and their sticks. It is the epitome of the two sides of a story in the, I don't know, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in the country here in Florida. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, when a couple of guys who were up to no good, they started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in a, one little fight, and, and mom got scared and said, <laughs> you're going to move with your auntie and uncle to Bel Air. So I, I could see how that type of situation may also translate here as well. A lot yeah. going on. Strong words from strong people down in Florida. I love that story. <laughs> oh, Florida, Florida oh stories God. continue. The second one was brought to us. By you, Ricky Baez, a Florida yeah. man broke a world record by drinking 33 beers in a single night. He revealed this to the St. Lucie County Sheriff's deputies after being apprehended outside Body Talk Sports Bar. Things did not go as planned for Michael Monahan, a 48-year-old man who ended up in police custody. As he drank, Monahan became rowdy. According to reports, when the cops arrived, the man began using filthy language and attempted to fight. Authorities were called to the sports bar shortly before midnight after reports that a guy had passed out in the parking lot. A woman caressing his back was eventually identified as his fiance. He allegedly <laughs> ran around the parking lot and became violent before passing out, according to the woman. Monahan's fiance told him to remain calm and not to attack the cops. However, he rejected the advice and rose up, attempting to attack the officers. <laughs> Would you like to rooster. fight? So let's go. End quote. The officers tried to explain that they were trying to help. Even after the cops informed him that they were there to help, Monahan raised his fist and begged them to attack him. Officers had no choice but to arrest him due to his condition and attempts to get violent. When he was transferred to the hospital, he had the opportunity to describe how much he had consumed that night. He admitted to drinking 33 beers, which amounted to roughly three gallons of beer. Monahan was then arrested for disorderly wow. intoxication and resisting arrest. St. Lucie. When I first read this story, all I was thinking was like, oh my God, I got to go bail the face of the franchise out. Until I read who it was. Oh, okay, it's not him. Okay, got it. Because this entire story, minus the name, could possibly be the face of the franchise. Could it not? No, no. Yes, on. it can. Yes, it can. Yes, he's it can. A bad, he's a good man. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't fight. Are you implying that people who drink 30 beers in one night are and not try to fight the police? Yeah, no, the face of the franchise wouldn't try to fight the police, man. He wouldn't. I know. Right. But everything else is plausible. I could see him doing that. Actually, you and I have personally witnessed him doing that internationally. Great times. Wild. All right. <laughs> I've got. Uh... Do, do you want to hear about catching grapes or should we just move on? No, you can't just bring that up and leave it out in the open unless it was a psychological way to get me to say yes. No, no, no. You could say, no, I'm not in the mood. No, now, now I want to know what you're talking about, catching grapes. You know, if you want to get great at catching grapes with your mouth, word on the street is to use black grapes because they're easy to see. Oh, and make sure you keep your eyes open. Paul Lyday set the record on September 7, 2009 in Fort Mott, South Carolina, where he caught a grape thrown from ground level in his mouth at a distance of 108 meters, 354 feet, 4 inches. He broke Ouch. the previous world record of 327 feet, 6 inches for the longest distance at ground level that a grape had ever been tossed and mouth caught. 
That day, 30 people witnessed it, and even today, you can watch it on YouTube. James Mack, Brian Chuck Benton, and Zach Kay, friends of Lydays, use a customized water balloon slingshot to launch the muscadine grape. According to Lyday, he became more daring as he grew older. His friends eventually used a modified potato gun to fire massive muscadine grapes at his face. But now he employs a water balloon slingshot. Brent Frazier from the United States accomplished the highest drop to grab a grape in the mouth on October 24th, 2016 in Post Mills, Vermont, at a height of 30 meters or 101 feet. On the set of Guinness World Records Unleashed in San Pedro, California, on July 11th, 2013, A.J. Henderson set the record for the farthest distance for a grape thrown and self-caught in the mouth at 21 meters, 69 feet. Wow. Joris Gions grabbed 223 grapes in his mouth in three minutes at Vilvord, Belgium on December 6, 2013. But here's the interesting thing, Rick. There is no record holder for the greatest height when throwing and catching a grape in the mouth. You are welcome to apply to break this record. It must be attempted by a single individual with no assistance. This record is measured in meters with imperial equivalents in feet and inches. And the Guinness Book of World Records defines a grape for this record as a small round fruit that grows in bunches on vines for the purpose of this record. And also, what would a grape say if you stepped on it? Well, it won't say anything. It'll just let out a little wine. These are interesting oh my things. God. With oh my JC. God. What the hell? <laughs> now, I'm see, I'm sitting here thinking, I've I've, you know, just playing around here at the house, you know, people just throwing grapes around and I will catch them in my mouth. That's within three feet. And I can imagine at that speed, it has to be at over what, 70 feet away? Yeah, it's pretty far. If you miss and it hits you in your lip, it's going to look like somebody decked you in the mouth. That could even knock out a tooth. Yeah, no, they shot that 324 feet. That that was the initial, and then it was 370-something or whatever it was. That has to leave a dent in the back of somebody's throat. Yeah, you would think, right? It just explodes. (laughs) And and now you got to go to the hospital, right? Because you have a huge punch on the back of your throat. Or maybe it hit your tooth, and it completely knocked it off. It's gotta. It that just has to hurt. It, I think you should try it. I think we. Should, I'll fly up there. Biasco Learning will uh, will sponsor it. I'll fly up there, and we can go ahead and just do a video so we can break that record. JC, would you be down for that? It's that time in the program, ladies and gentlemen. Time. That's a no. <laughs> That's a no. It's time. 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 Jeez, Louise, longest foghorn ever. Time for final thoughts. Time for final <laughs> thoughts in the room. Ricky Baez, over to you. The final thoughts in the room, folks. The quickest way to completely erase the trust with any workforce is to put an anonymous survey out there that really is not anonymous above and beyond that is not do anything with the information that's realized. If you're going to go down that road, make sure that you preserve what little trust is left in the organization. Keep it anonymous. Don't try to find who said what and just try to fix the issue that they brought forward. And more importantly, communicate what you can and can't do. That's the best way to preserve the trust in a team. Wow. That's it? Period. Yeah, there you go. Got it. Dude, that was a good one. I'm not even going to make fun of that. Like that, that was strong. Look, uh, if he's your teacher, listen to him. That's all I could tell you. Wow, that was that was really good, Rick. 
thanks. Implying the other one sucked. What are some of the best ways people could reach out to you <laughs> to um, maybe subcontract or contract you to help out with endeavors using those wide, wise words of wisdom and or uh, bringing your knowledge to the table to help them out within their organization? You can email me at ebaez, that's E-B-A-E-Z, at baezco.com. You can shoot me a text or give me a call, 407-501-8425, or the internets, www.baezco.com, and find us anywhere on social media, anything Baezco. Over on this end right here, uh gave you a sample of interesting things with JC. Feel free to stop by jimconnors.net. Feel free to subscribe and listen. Uh, we did... Did get some common carriage recently from uh, some podcast uh, places, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to plug that a little bit more. So any support out there is greatly appreciated. Very small following, but it's still fun. A three to eight minute podcast every day. As part of my final thoughts and final words here, uh, one thing I want to leave you with, ladies and gentlemen, is if quantum entanglement is true, if related particles react in similar or opposite ways, even when separated by tremendous distances then it is obvious that the whole world is actually alive and communicating in ways that we don't fully understand. That's a quote by Christian Wyman. And that quote has just really been sitting in my head over the past week. If quantum entanglement is true, everything is connected. And everything that we think of right now, in the way that it is, just might not be right. So think about your perceptions at work. Think about the way that you interact with others. Think about your world and how you can make it better. Only you are in charge of that. On behalf of Ricky Baez, his dogs, the beer that he keeps in the cooler inside of his second floor bedroom, and uh, myself, JC, it's our pleasure to be here. Drive safe. Have a good night. It's It's not a cooler, it's a fridge. And the beer that he keeps in the small refrigerator in his bedroom. Have a good night. Actually, it's in my office. That's next to the bedroom, but okay, fine. Got it. The small fridge that he keeps in his office near his bedroom. Have a good night. There you go. That was good. Aren't you going to Chick-fil-A or something? It's Sunday.